You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you're challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on leaders. Now looking at Control Part 3. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Want to win a chance for a free tour of Israel? From March 1st to June 8th, Douglas's new website subscribers have the chance to be entered into a draw for a free tour. There are two ways to win. You can become a new website member or ask a friend to sign up. Then email confirmation of the subscriptions by replying to Douglas's newsletter. There's no limit to the number of entries. Sign up five friends, be entered five times. The winner will be announced in early July. Now here's today's teaching. Control, this is part three. Jesus Christ calls all of us to servant leadership. He was very strong in his words to leaders who were like those in the world, who led through authority, who just made things up and expected to be served. And in the first two podcasts in this short series, we've looked at six broad areas where inappropriate control is being exercised. So we want to look at now uh, some positive things. What should we do? And there are six uh, points here. Let's begin with the first, which is simply trust. Trust. What is my attitude towards the average Christian uh, whom I'm spending time with, or I'm maybe doing a class that I'm teaching, or I'm in the fellowship hall with? Do I trust that they want to do what's right? Or do I have a low opinion that really they're just, they're looking to do what's wrong. And so I, I need to kind of protect them with scaffolding and, and guidelines and so forth. Paul actually had a high degree of trust. Romans 15, 14. I myself have convinced my brothers and sisters that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and competent to instruct one another. So Paul, in some sense, was confident that the church could handle the issues of the church. Now, clearly, he's not saying they don't need any direction or teaching, because his letter itself is a form of direction and teaching. But that for most of what happens in day-to-day life, they can meet each other's needs, that they have sufficient knowledge and goodness. And so that's trust. Now, this could be hard to trust people if you think they're always going to be looking for shortcuts and When you turn your back, they'll do what's wrong. But Paul had um, a confidence that those whose lives were being shaped by the gospel would do the right thing. Second, appeal. Now, this is worth a whole separate study, which I've done at my website. But this is based on Philemon. Philemon, even though it's only one chapter of just 25 verses, is a great study in gracious persuasion. How Paul persuades Philemon and his fellow leaders and his house church, in fact, uh, to do the right thing and to welcome and forgive Onesimus, who was a runaway slave who had become a Christian through Paul's ministry in prison. Paul appeals to them and he says he doesn't want to do it on the basis of authority, even though, well, Philemon owes his soul to Paul, even though Paul could just expect to be uh, humored because he's now an old man. But he's not asking for uh, people to to do something without thinking it and making it their own. 
He persuades them. He appeals to them on the basis of love. So that's the second thing. Trust, appeal, and thirdly, respect. Well, we could also call this one stop pushing, but I'm going to call it respect. And this insight comes from 1 Corinthians 16. You know, we can learn a lot in the, the, the final sections of each letter. Uh, and this is quite interesting because the, some of the Corinthians we know were very uh, big on Apollos. They thought Apollos was amazing. When they were dividing into their factions, some thought, well, we follow Apollos, right? Others said, we follow Paul or we follow Peter. But he was clearly an important person to the Corinthians. I'm not surprised. When you read Acts 18, it all makes sense. Okay, 1 Corinthians 16, 12. Now, about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to go to you with the brothers. He was quite unwilling to go now, but he will go when he has the opportunity. Now, before you just read that verse and go on to the next one and forget it, slow down. This is the Apostle Paul telling us that he strongly urged Apollos to go back to Corinth. What would you do if you were strongly urged by one of the main leaders? No, not just a main leader, the Apostle Paul. Strongly urged. What does Apollos do? Well, he lets it be known he's not willing now. I mean, he's not saying no. He's saying yes, but later. He's not willing to go now. Apparently, he had a good reason. Whether he did or not, Paul respects him. And he's just letting the Corinthians know that, yeah, he'll come eventually, and I want him to come to you. But this is Apollos' decision. How hard do you push to get someone to change his or her mind? And if you're in leadership, are you helping people to develop their own conviction? Or is it your conviction kind of forced into them that then they're parroting back? Respect means we will accept a no answer from other people. Those who don't accept that have poor uh, boundaries. Those who say yes to every call. If Apollos had just caved in and said, okay, Paul, you're the apostle, I'll do what you say, then Apollos wouldn't be showing good boundaries. Uh, I've shared this in other lessons, but that book, Boundaries, by Townsend and Cloud, Boundaries, is excellent reading. I wish every person would read it, every member, every leader, everybody. But that one tells us that to have integrity, we need to be willing to say yes or no. We don't always have to say yes. That book was effectively banned in many cities and many churches. People were told you're not allowed to read that book because that book helps people become mature. And maturity means we say yes sometimes, we say no sometimes, we'll be like Apollos. So if you've not read Boundaries, get it. Okay. Uh, Trust, appeal, respect. Number four, uh, stay connected, or you could simply call it unity. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10. I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. That's a great passage on unity. Now, it's not a passage so much on doctrinal unity, like do they all agree on everything, because he explains the 
uh, area of concern in the following verses. In fact, he returns to those in chapter 3 and elsewhere. What's the unity? Well, they're, they're, they're lining up. They're kind of grouping themselves behind Peter or Apollos or Paul or Christ. So we're talking about a sectarian spirit. We're talking about factions. We're talking about a division in the body. So being perfectly united in mind and thought doesn't mean that we all agree on everything. In fact, if you think that, uh, even in the New Testament, you can see the apostles didn't always agree on everything. But that's okay. Paul's appeal to them is that they be unified. Now, some people will say, well, we, we need to have real unity. We need to agree on everything. But that's not what unity is. Unity is when you don't agree on everything, but you stay connected. In that respect, unity is like tolerance. There's no such thing as tolerance if you already agree on everything. Tolerance is when you find something objectionable. And there's no unity, really. What kind of unity is it if you all agree on everything? Unity is when there's disagreement, but you choose to honor your brother or sister in Christ and you stay connected. So unity is more about connection than it is uh, having the same perspective on everything. Besides, we all uh, change as we mature in the Lord. Our perspectives are constantly changing. And the apostles were wise enough to give people space. And you can see this gentle approach, for example, in 1 Corinthians 3. All right. Trust, appeal, respect, unity. Two more. Agree to disagree. Now, this one I won't be reading, but you remember what happened with Paul and Barnabas? They had had this amazingly successful first missionary journey in Acts 13 and 14. And then there was the conference at Jerusalem, because some people were saying you have to become Jewish before you become a Christian. You have to be circumcised first. There's a big conference. Paul speaks. Peter speaks. James, Jesus' brother, is the moderator or the president, and he's the one who uh, dismisses the meeting once action steps have been taken. But unfortunately, Paul and Barnabas have a falling out. Barnabas goes on evangelizing his native Cyprus. Paul forges ahead into new territory, and that, that dispute concerned Mark. Well, this is near the end of Acts 15. And we won't analyze it right now. But what's really clear is they agreed to disagree. There's also biblical evidence that later on, Mark was not a problem, and that Mark became incredibly close to Paul. Things worked out. But at that moment, it didn't look so good. There are times when we will not be able to resolve things. Either we need more time to talk, or maybe we even need more years to talk and let things develop. Are you comfortable with that? A very controlling leader is not. He's very uncomfortable with dissent of any kind, and dissent must be quashed. And yet, biblically, we can disagree on things and still be brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, true unity requires it. True unity will require that there will be disagreement. There always is, but we stay connected. Sixthly and finally, focus on Christ. This is one of my favorite passages in the whole New Testament. And I'll be reading from Colossians 1.28 to 
Paul speaking. Christ is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. You see the focus on Christ. And he says, we were teaching everyone. We want to present everyone mature. Uh, He actually says everyone three times. Every person. He's not talking about his fellow apostolic missionaries. He's not talking about church leaders. He's talking about everyone. We want everyone to be mature. Everyone to be uh, perfect, to grow as much as possible. And so when we focus on Christ, then we're not going to be so concerned with issues of program and agenda. You know, is this guy on board with this upcoming event at our church or this agenda that we're pushing this year? Yeah, there always will be agenda items and agendas. But the real important thing is character. It's becoming like Christ. And for that, Paul was willing to pour himself into his ministry. He says to strenuously contend. He's working hard. and He cares about them. Not just the ones he's, he knows, but particularly people who have never even met him. He's heard about them only. He hopes to meet them one day. That emphasis is on maturity. Well, when we do that, we won't get tangled up, getting caught on the practicals. It'll be the principles, because the Word of God is being internalized, written on the heart. And we don't feel good about ourselves just because we're meeting the expectations or achieving certain scores in various metrics. You know, how many minutes you did this or how many people you did that. There'll be no need to micromanage. Paul is strenuously working that everyone can be mature. But Paul is actually dealing with multiple congregations. He's not micromanaging, and micromanaging isn't discipling anyway. Discipling is helping people to build the character of Christ. And if you are in leadership, let me urge you again to trust people, to trust that their intentions in their heart are good. Well, these are six things that we can do that are biblical that can help to undo a culture of control and help us to relate to others as Christ would have us relate. Trust, appeal, respect, stay connected, agree to disagree, focus on Christ. I've given you some links for some further study. and I'll just mention the first one on the list, and that's the podcast on lording it over others which is based on Mark 10, the passage which began this series. Well, I know I may have stepped on some toes. Uh, Maybe I said too little on some issues and said too much on others. I'm just one person trying to make a difference. But control, if it means we're going to be like the world, we need to throw that off. Let's strive for the right kind of influence, the kind of influence that's modeled in the lives of Jesus and others like Paul. And that means unlearning, leadership lessons that we should never have learned in the first place, and constantly looking to Christ to make those corrections so that we can be more and more like our Lord. Again, thank you for listening to the series, and God bless you and your ministry. 
We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on leaders. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.